It is an honor and a privilege for me to be here with you today at Pillar Church. Pillar, you have been a church home to so many of our alumni, our students, our faculty, our staff, and our trustees. Thank you for your faithful support. Thank you for your faithful prayers. By now you are familiar with the litany of current events that have caused us to live in a dislocating time. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to race its way around the world. Things that were once unfamiliar to us have become familiar. Face masks, hand sanitizers, Zoom calls, physical distancing, plexiglass screens, virtual schooling, homeschooling, more physical distancing, playing sports with masks. Things that were once unfamiliar have become familiar, and things that were once familiar are no longer familiar. We live in a dislocating time. Beyond the pandemic, we also live in a polarizing world. The upcoming presidential election is revealing deep fissures between friends, families, and neighbors. As a country, in light of the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, we are coming to grip with the history of racism that has marked our history. And while we thought that the church, because of our union with Christ, because of our confession in one Lord, one Savior, and one God who is in all and over all, a place where we thought we would find more unity and more commonality, Instead, we find that the same polarization that marked our world also marks the church. We are living in a dislocating time. And beyond that, we are also living in a secularizing world. Pew Research tells us that the number of people in the United States who identify as Christians continue to decline. The number of people who are biblically literate and are familiar with the Judeo-Christian narrative continues to decline. When we are once living at a time where being identified as Christians portend good things because it, it, it is associated with trustworthiness, we are now told that the two most common adjectives associated with Christians are hypocritical and judgmental. We are living in a dislocating time. And we are not simply living in a time that is figuratively dislocating. We are living in a time that is literally and physically dislocating. Wildfires continue to ravage the western part of the country, Washington, Oregon, and California, having consumed more acreage in a mere couple of weeks than it consumed all year last year. Down south, the Gulf Coast has been battered by Hurricane Sally just a few weeks after Hurricane Laura passed through it. We are literally being dislocated physically. We are living in a dislocating time. But church, today I want to bring to you a word of encouragement from God's word. I want to suggest to you today that as we continue to live in a time of dislocation, 
that God's redemptive work is revealed in moments of our greatest dislocation. God's redemptive work in this world is revealed in time of our greatest dislocation. If you have a Bible with you, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. We are introduced to Abram at the end of Genesis 11, when we discover that Abram is married to Sarai. Yet they, yet they were without a child, for Sarai was not able to conceive. This revelation is ironic because the name Abram means exalted father. Yet Abram is without a child. This irony deepens in chapter 12, verse 4, when we discover that Abram is 75 years old, well past childbearing age. We are told that the Lord said to Abram, a simple command. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. Let's take a second to really live with the full weight of this command. When I moved to Holland, Michigan last July, in July of 2019, I was told that Holland is the kind of place where people who move here end up staying here. I was told that there are people here who have lived here for multiple generations. And then there are people who move to Holland and they love it so much here, they never end up leaving. And then there are those people who try to live Holland, but eventually move and come back to Holland. And I have to tell you that within the first week of me being in Holland, I met each one of those people. It took me no more than a month. It wasn't a day when that began with a trip to the farmer's market and then a quick run to the beach and then in a, a trip in downtown Holland enjoying the sidewalk sale while we were waiting for the table at New Holland Brewery that finished with the lighthouse from Captain Sunday, my favorite place for dessert. That I turned to my wife Esther and said, I can't understand why people who move to Holland end up staying in Holland for the rest of their lives. Now imagine having lived in a place a place that have become so familiar to you, a place that you call home, a place where you are known and you know others, a place where you feel safe and secure, a place where you belong. Having lived in such a place, when God comes to you and say, come, go, it is time to leave. 
Leave your people. Leave your father's household to the place that I will show you. Notice what God said here to Abram. First, leave your country. Leave this land that you love. Leave this place that you know. Leave this place that you belong. This place that is familiar to you. Leave this place to a place that I will show you later. But not just this land. Also leave your people, the family, the friends, the colleagues who you love. Leave behind the people who know you and with whom you are known. Leave behind the people with whom you can be yourself. And leave this people and go and be a stranger among a people that you will not know and who will not know you. Leave and go there. And not just your country and your people, but also your father's household, the resources that comes with being a part of your father's home, the inheritance that is due to you. Leave behind the reputation of the family and the access and the advantages that comes from being with your family. Leave all those things behind. In other words, the call of God is for Abraham to leave everything that has been familiar to him up to this point of his life. It is a call to leave behind comfort for discomfort. It is a call to take a step of faith from the known to the unknown. It is a call to total and complete dislocation. And if that's not enough, here comes the really scary part. Not only will you leave all these things behind, you will not even know the plan that I will show you. I will show it to you in due time. But for now, leave the place that you will know and come to the place that you do not know. God did not tell Abraham where he was going. But yet God expects Abraham to get up, to leave everything behind for this unknown destination. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann said this, the speech of God to this barren family then is a call to abandonment, renunciation, and relinquishment. It is a call for a dangerous departure from the presumed world of norms and security. It is a call of God to total and absolute dislocation. Friends, are you familiar with total and absolute dislocation? It is a dislocation that fundamentally alters your understanding of the world and your understanding of yourself. I'm convinced that moments of dislocation in our lives come in sizes big or small. Perhaps it is a dream of a senior season wiped away, a dream of a championship abruptly taken away. Perhaps it is the deep relationship that is broken away, broken, that have been broken apart because of conflict. Dislocation comes in sizes big and small. Perhaps it is losing a job that you love and never imagined leaving behind. Perhaps it is a betrayal by a spouse 
for who you deeply and utterly love. Perhaps it is estrangement from a son or a daughter for whom you would give up everything. Perhaps it is the closing of a family business to a pandemic that most, over, that most of us never saw coming. Dislocation comes in sizes big and small. Perhaps it was a dream dash, a dream for which you have given most of your life to. Perhaps it was the loss of a loved one due to an illness. Perhaps it was a life cut too short in unexpected ways. Perhaps it was a day that began just like any other day, yet ended with such devastation that you tried everything within your power to will yourself to wake up, hoping that this was all just a dream. Dislocation comes in sizes, big and small. But friends, the encouragement I want to bring to you from the text for today is this. God's redemptive work is most clearly revealed in moments of our greatest dislocation. You see, the call to Abraham that results in his dislocation is immediately followed by a five-fold blessing that changed human history. This moment has, in fact, been referred to as God's second creation. To the, child, to the childless one, to the barren one, God declared, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. In and through the midst of Abraham's greatest moment of dislocation, God enacts his redemptive plan for the world, calling a people to himself through whom salvation to the whole world is revealed. And you see, this is not just simply the story of Abraham. The story of God's people is indeed the story of the redemptive work of God being revealed in the midst of one dislocation after another. All the patriarchs of Genesis were dislocated. The narratives of Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph were all stories of people dislocated trying to survive among unfamiliar people in a land that belonged to others. The story of Joseph is a story of dislocation, of heartless betrayal by his own family that resulted in the revelation of the saving work of God. The story of Exodus is that of a God who redeemed his people who were living in the midst of dislocation in a foreign land with the foreign people that oppressed and enslaved them. This same people became a nation while tra traversing a desert in the midst of dislocation, having no land to call their own. They experienced the redemptive work of God in the midst of dislocation while living in exile in a far-off place called Babylon. And they received the promised Savior, the Messiah, in the midst of dislocation. Yes, living in their own land, but being completely disenfranchised on their own terrain due to military occupation by foreign empires. 
The story of God's people is the story of God's redemptive work in the world being revealed in the midst of their dislocation. And friends, lest you think that these stories are reserved only for the people of Scripture, may I remind you that this is the story of Holland. Having been dislocated to religious persecution, Reverend Van Rolte traversed the Atlantic Ocean and arrived in a foreign land, settling here in this place, establishing a city that is now home to this church, a college, and a seminary that continue to have impact all around the world. And isn't that the story of Pillar Church? A historic church that experienced deep division and a painful split being reestablished around a commitment to reconciliation, raising up leaders, redeeming a city, and renewing the church. It is a story of God's redemptive work being revealed in the midst of dislocation. And friends, lest you think that the stories of God's redemptive work being revealed are only stories for other people, consider this. Did not Jesus say to us, if anyone would follow me, if anyone who comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In fact, Origen, the church father, suggests that God's command to Abraham is said not to Abraham alone, but to whoever would be his child. For each of us has before the decree of God a certain country and relative who is not good, and a house of our father before the word of God comes to us, from all of which we must depart according to the word of God. You see, the call to dislocation is a call that we have all received. The call to leave the comfort of the familiar is the call that we are supposed to embrace and inhabit. The call to leave the known for the unknown is ultimately the call to discipleship. This was the recognition of the 12 disciples who had left family and home behind to follow Jesus. Peter, speaking for them, asked Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus responded by saying, Truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on the glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. God's redemptive work in the world is revealed in the midst of our dislocation. So friends, let me close today with two encouragements. 
Some of you are finding yourself in the moment of dislocation. If that's you, know this. God will reveal his redemptive work in due time. Not a moment too soon, not a moment too late, but God will reveal his redemption to you at just the right time. For God is faithful. And for others of you, you have been wrestling with the call to dislocation. It is hard, it is difficult, it is anxiety-producing. I don't know how Abraham reacted when he received the call, this call from God. I don't know what kind of conversations took place between him and Sarah. I don't know what kind of explanations he had to give to his father and to his brother for why he's leaving them behind. But I do know this. The book of Genesis chose to highlight his total and complete obedience. We are told in verse 4 of chapter 12, So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And the writer of Hebrews tells us, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. May it be so with us. May we persevere in the midst of our dislocation. And may we respond to God's call to dislocation with a single-minded obedience, knowing this, in the midst of our greatest dislocation, God's redemptive work in this world is being revealed. Amen.